Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 154, the podcast to keep you updated and educated about the latest consumer technology. Thanks for listening. Thanks for streaming. Thanks for downloading. And if you're a first-timer, we're glad you found us. I'm Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, are parents spending more time on devices than their kids Telstra has launched the largest Wi-Fi network in the country and Moto Pogo, an all-new urban transport solution. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Canon PowerShot SX710HS, the Alcatel OneTouch Idle 3 smartphone and the new SBS on-demand service. In the Tech Guide interview, we're going to talk to Boyd Wilson from Oakley and an Olympic snowboarder about the new Oakley Prism lenses. And we'll wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products. A packed show this week, so let's get started. Well, there's been some interesting developments with a report from AVG Technologies. Now, it's all about parents, children, and their smartphones. Now, it's not uncommon to hear parents complaining that they think their children spend too much time on their devices. How many times have you seen parents telling their children, talk to me, don't be on your smartphone, or they're sitting in the back of the car, the children are all on their smartphones, parents complaining. Well, this research from AVG Technologies, AVG is an online security company, this has really uh, uncovered some interesting stats. Now, kids have expressed what they feel about the way parents use their smartphone. So it's kind of uh, gone taking it the other way. Now, the kids actually think the parents use their smartphones too much. The global study, there was more than 6,000 people, and this included 335 Australian adults and 302 Australian children. Now, a third of Australian children, that's 32%, said their parents spend equal or less time with them than they do on their device. So straight up, they're thinking, well, I'm competing for attention, the attention of my parent or parents with their smartphone. Now, more than half of the children that were in this research felt their parents spent too much time looking at their devices. This is something we normally hear parents saying about children, but no, the kids think the same thing about you, mum and dad. Now, one of the things that parents, that the children identified, so one of the worst habits that children noticed was their parents being distracted by the smartphone. So, and, and we're talking during conversations so the, the, the parent might be talking to the child and then might be distracted by something on their device and 
26% of kids said they felt unimportant. So they were disappointed that the parent actually was distracted by the device and took the attention from them in the middle of a conversation. So it is a really interesting report. Now, the parents in this survey were also asked about their own usage. So they were they were honest. They said, look, they were asked, do you spend too much time? And more than half, we're talking 54%, said they do. They do spend too much time using their device. 32% even said they don't set a good example for their kids when it comes to device usage. Really interesting stuff here where the parents who have observed, I'm sure if you're listening, you might be one of those parents who think your child spends too much time on their devices. I know I am. I'm often talking to my teenage kids that the, the, the world, there's more than, than, than that that you're looking at on your 3.5 inch screen or 4 inch screen, whatever the, the screen size happens to be. And I do tell them that there's, there's a whole world out there. Yet this research is saying that the kids are thinking the same thing about us. So it really does, does uh, give you some pause to think about how much we use our devices, whether you're a parent or whether you're a child. And, and the, the, the thing we lose here is the face-to-face time. That, that's what the, the, the kind of the moral of this story is that face-to-face time is better than any time you can spend on your device. If you can talk to your child, your child can talk to you, then everybody wins. But the good news is the upside of this survey is that Australia wasn't the worst country. The worst country was Brazil. Brazilian parents topped the survey for device usage. 87% of children say they use their device too much. And even worse still, 59% of Brazilian parents admitted that while they're driving, they use their smartphones. So we're not as bad as the Brazilians, but still a lot of lessons to be learnt there. If you want to read that full report, you can do that. It's at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. Well, Telstra have today, if you're listening to this on a Tuesday, today is the day that Telstra Air is being launched. Now, you may remember late last year, Telstra announced this bold plan to launch Australia's largest Wi-Fi network. So... When you see all those old pay phones and other public hotspots, they are now Wi-Fi, ways to you, for you to tap into Wi-Fi. They are now hotspots. So you'll see now on top of a, a public telephone, uh, you're wondering who still uses them. Well, here's a, a reason for to still have them. These are now Wi-Fi hotspots. And, of course, they, these are going to be included across Australia in many public areas so that rather than you, and if this is for Telstra customers, rather than using your cellular data allowance, these Wi-Fi hotspots, this Telstra Air network, allows you to use your home broadband allowance. So if you've got 500 gig of your broadband, your home broadband allowance, why not use it when you're traveling or when you're around Australia rather than using your cellular data, which when you think of it, when you think of it per gigabyte, cellular data is much more expensive than your home broadband data. So using your home broadband data on the move makes a lot of sense. So Telstra Air is exactly what that's trying to help customers achieve. Now, it can not only be used across Australia, it can also be used in 18 countries around the world. So 
anyone who's traveling to countries like the UK, Spain, Brazil, France, Germany, uh, Japan, these places will have these hotspots. There's more than 15 million of them across these 18 countries. Now, in, in uh, other parts of the world, uh, the Wi-Fi provider is FON, F-O-N. So all the Telstra Air customers need to do is locate that FON hotspot, and they can connect to their – they can use their home broadband allowance when they're traveling. Now, that really would solve a lot of problems for people who uh, want to stay in touch with loved ones back here in Australia but have to go to the trouble of possibly buying another SIM card or trying to find a free Wi-Fi hotspot. That can solve the problem. So uh, the, the hotspots, they're going to be more in more than 250 towns and cities across Australia. But one thing, one other part of the network, apart from the public hotspots, there are ways to for Telstra customers to be part of the Wi-Fi network to help it be a, a nationwide network. Customers at home who have a Telstra gateway, uh, that's their, their modem router, they too can help create that to, to strengthen that network. So what happens if you're a Telstra Air customer, if you have a Telstra Gateway, and a lot, a lot of them exist already, the Telstra Gateway Max, the T Gateway, and the ADSL Premium Gateway, if you are currently using these gateways, they are compatible with this new service. So what happens is this. If you're a Telstra Air customer and you have a gateway, this creates a separate Wi-Fi network for private use, so for yourself, for your family, all your data, all, all your information is protected, it's partitioned. But it also creates a separate Wi-Fi network for other people in your area to take part in the if they are a Telstra Air customer. So this the breadth of Telstra Air customers across Australia strengthens that network. So you can find Wi-Fi in the suburbs, if you happen to be near Telstra, other Telstra Air customers. And as I said, it does that, that separate Wi-Fi network that's for other Telstra Air members does not it does not interfere with your own Wi-Fi network. So there's no fear that you're going to lose data or someone's going to tap into your system. That's just not going to happen. So the Telstra Air network starts, uh, if you want if you want to get a bundle, so if you, you to become a Telstra Air member, you need to be, of course, a Telstra customer. And you need to upgrade your account to include the Telstra Gateway. If you already have a gateway, you simply got to sign up and then and you're you're good to go. If you you've just got to tell Telstra you want to be have Telstra Air access, and they'll switch on your gateway and you will have that access as well as providing access for others in your area to strengthen that Wi-Fi network as we mentioned. So check that out. If you're a Telstra customer, you can access Telstra Air. That's Australia's largest Wi-Fi network, both here. And overseas. And if you want to check that story out, as well as all the bundle pricing and inclusions, it's all listed at techguide.com.au. Now, we've seen plenty of technology developments when it comes to transport or getting around the place. I think uh, one, of, one of the really interesting bits of technology that I've actually used in, uh, over the last few years is a Segway. Now, anyone who doesn't know what a Segway is, it's it's a device. It's a, they call it a human transporter. So there's two wheels, uh, and there's a a, a hand a pair of handlebars, and it works on balance. So if you lean forward slightly, the Segway moves forward slightly. If you lean backwards, it'll stop or go backwards. So. The Segway was a, a, a very popular device, or not popular as in 
a lot of people were interested in it. I'm not sure how many people owned it, but the whole concept was was popular. People used them uh, when they were uh, a lot of Segway tours around the world, even here in Australia. The, you can get on a Segway tour, so you can travel around a certain part of Sydney or Australia on a Segway. So it's like a guided tour on the move. That 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 product. Uh, depended on where you lived, if you're living in the U.S., the state by state have different laws on where you can and can't use the the product. Well, here in Australia, the Segway is actually illegal because you can't you can't register it, and it you can't use it on a public road. So it's actually uh, the ban actually has been lifted in Queensland and Canberra. So you can ride them in those areas. So. What I want, why am I talking about the Segway? Well, there's a similar product that's just been released. It's called the Moto Pogo. Now, this was initially a Kickstarter project that was, that reached its goal funding and is now for sale around the world, including in Australia. So the product will ship to Australia. Now, what is Moto Pogo? The best way I could describe it is a cross between a Segway and a motorcycle. But just pretend the motorcycle has been sawn in half. It has one wheel. It uses self-balancing technology. All it is is basically a wheel with a seat and a pair of handlebars on it. And that self-balancing technology allows you, like the Segway, to simply lean forward and the, and the Moto Pogo will move forward, lean back and it'll stop. The Moto Pogo, so it's, it's kind of half a Segway, half a motorbike. It runs with using a lithium-ion rechargeable battery. You can get to a maximum speed of 25 kilometers an hour. It's got a 25-inch tire. There's only one tire. It's 25 inches. There's bright LED headlights as well. There's also a battery indicator so that you can see exactly how much charge you have left. It has a range of about 30 kilometers. So if you're going to be staying around your area or within 30 kilometers of your area, I suppose 15 kilometers and 15 back, I suppose, you don't want to get stranded. But all you need is a PowerPoint, I guess, and the charger in your pocket to, to charge it up. It does take three to five hours, though, to charge up. So you have to be very patient. Maybe when you get to your office or wherever you're going, you can plug it in again. But the Moto Pogo is priced at 2645 approximately Australian dollars. It's a Canadian product, so it's Canadian dollars, 2500 Canadian dollars. 2645 is the rough uh, conversion to Aussie dollars. That doesn't include shipping, so shipping you obviously have to pay a little bit more. The, the, the website is motopogo.com. I have, have created a link to it on Tech Guide if you want to check it out. But State by state, the attitude towards these different types of urban transport solutions are changing. Now, in this in this age where we're talking about climate change and greenhouse gases and trying to save the planet, a product like this would actually suit a lot of people who want to get around but without having to drive a car. So this is pretty green sort of technology that I think the authorities should take a look at and maybe lift those bans to allow more people to use this sort of clean device, this clean transport solution to get around the place. If you want to check that out, I've written about it and there are images too so you can see exactly what the Moto Pogo looks like. It's at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And Netgear is also behind Arlo, the only 100% wire-free HD smart home security camera. 
There's no need for a power outlet near the camera. It's wire-free for a reason. This means there are no ugly cords and you have the freedom to place the cameras wherever you like. Arlo security cameras have built-in night vision so you can see what's happening at any time and they can be placed inside or out because you guessed it, the Arlo cameras are weatherproof as well. Users can enjoy amazingly sharp 720p live video and also receive a notification if anything moves thanks to these motion detection alerts. So whether you want to check in to make sure the kids are home safe, that the baby's still sleeping, the courier has dropped off your package, or if your holiday home or small business is secure, Arlo can give you peace of mind and all from the palm of your hand with the free Arlo app. A click or two is all you need to set it up. A click or two is all you ever need to check in. Check out the new 100% wire-free smart home cameras from Netgear at arlo.com forward slash au. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennig. We are kicking off the Tech Guide reviews for this week with a camera, the Canon PowerShot SX710HS. Now, being a PowerShot, it means it's got a decent zoom. This, In this particular case, 30 times zoom, which combined with digital zoom and other little bits of zoom, you're getting actually a whole lot more. But just, the, just that optical zoom, that 30 times optical zoom, is plenty if you want to get even closer to your subjects. It's got a 20.3 megapixel resolution, but the other cool features of uh, of this camera is the fact that it's got built-in Wi-Fi and NFC. It can shoot also full HD movies at 60 frames per second, at up to 60 frames per second. You can also shoot it at 30 frames per second. And being a Canon device, is really solidly built, fits nicely in your hand. It's built for right-handers, I've noticed. If you're a, if you're a lefty, uh, it's it's going to be a bit hard to handle this camera. You have to switch it to the right hand because there's a there's a little grip on the right hand side. All the buttons are on the right hand side, so it's meant for easy access with your right hand or your right thumb. Uh, there's also on the left hand side is a little a, a switch to uh, pop up the flash. There's also a zoom lock as well. So if you click on the zoom lock, it, it, it locks on a face in your image and follows them around the frame. So if they're moving around, it locks on their face so that it maintains that focus and exposure as well. There's also AV out digital ports and a micro HDMI port on the right-hand side. Uh, and of course, along the top is your capture key, uh, a dedicated movie recording button, and a zoom your zoom handle as well, so you can zoom in and out. On the back, three-inch LCD screen, so really easy way to frame your shots and navigate the menu. But uh, on the downside, it's not a touch screen, so you need to use all the controls, the navigation controls, to navigate the menu. I actually tried to press the screen a couple of times. I'm thinking, nope, it's not a touch screen. I need to use the buttons on the right-hand side. The 30 times zoom lens has a 25 mil to 750 mil field of view uh, and listen this takes really really nice images I took with me to China if you look at my review there's pictures of me on the Great Wall of China and uh, the images are really sharp and clear takes a really nice photo especially look if you're a point and shoot kind of person the auto on this is excellent uh, there are also several other creative modes so if you want to get uh, there's like miniature uh, effect toy effect fisheye there's plenty of little creative things you can play with so if you going to add a little bit of variety to your to your images and the videos as well full hd up to 60 frames per second really smooth really nice so uh can shoot really nice 
videos as well. Uh, now, if you, uh, I'm going to get a little technical here. If you, if you, if you take up the ISO, now that's that's a measurement of light sensitivity. So the big things to look at when you're when you're taking photos is, if, especially if you want to have a bit of manual control, which the SX710HS does allow. There is a manual mode, so you can take control of the aperture, the shutter speed, and the ISO. ISO is a numerical scale for sensitivity. And if you take the ISO up too high, so if you're shooting in low light and you take the ISO up too high, up to 3200 it goes, uh, the images sort of lose a little bit of detail and there is a bit of noise, so a bit of graininess in your image. So one thing to look at, but you know that's definitely not a deal breaker. This is a really solid camera. But one favorite feature of ours was Wi-Fi and NFC. So if you've got an NFC device, a smartphone, you can, you can uh, link the devices like that. But if you have uh, Wi-Fi, there is Wi-Fi on board, you can link your smartphone to the camera. So the camera creates its own little Wi-Fi network, and you then log into that little network uh, on your smartphone. And then when you've downloaded the Camera Connect uh, app, uh, you can not only view what's... You, you can not only transfer photos from the camera to your phone, you can also use your phone as a remote shutter. So you can set up your camera... Uh, to take an image, then you can look at what the camera is seeing through your phone and even activate the shutter. You can even adjust the settings, the zoom, all through that Wi-Fi, that wireless connection to the camera. Really handy. And as I mentioned, you can transfer images from the camera to your phone. So if you want to, if you're taking these really high quality photos with your the Canon PowerShot SX710HS and you want to share them on social media, you can transfer it to your smartphone. And then once it's on your smartphone, you've got the, that your cellular connection, you can then share it on social media, email it, whatever you like to do. Really handy solution, if you, especially if you want to share higher quality photos than what can be captured with a smartphone. The remote uh, function too with that app is really handy. I did all I did use that also on the Great Wall. Uh, I, I set up a nice photo of uh, a selfie of uh, myself, of course. Of course, it's a selfie of me. And uh, it showed not only myself, but also the wall stretching out behind me. But that was a shot that would have been hard to take with a phone because my arm isn't that long. Uh, it was made a whole lot easier by using the remote shutter on the Canon Camera Connect app. The Canon PowerShot SX710HS priced at $399.95. You want to read the full review, you can find it at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. All right, next up, we're talking smartphones and the Alcatel OneTouch Idle 3. Now, this is an Android device, and it is available in two sizes, a 4.7-inch screen and a 5.5-inch screen, which is, coincidentally, the same screen sizes as the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6 Plus, respectively. Well, the Idle 3, I have to say, is a real quality device. It proves that you don't have to spend a lot of money to have a quality smartphone. Now, if you're after an Android device, there is plenty of options with an Android. Apple make tend to make more higher-end phones. That I think the cheapest phone is over $800. So if you're looking for an Android phone, maybe you're on a bit of a budget, you want to save a bit of money, or for, maybe it's for a child, it's a first smartphone, the Idle 3 is most definitely worth considering. The 4.7 inch is 299, the 5.5 inch is 349. 
And for what you get, this device really punches above its weight. Let's talk about it. The screen, full high definition. 5.5-inch screen and a 4.7 on the smaller device, full high definition. Uh, it weighs 140.7 grams. This is the 5.5 I'm talking about. That's the product that I reviewed on Tech Guide. Now, design-wise, it looks really sleek. It's really slim. It's only 7.4 millimeters thick, and the SIM card is on the left edge. So you, it, it, there's a slot that pops out. You can put not only the SIM card in it, but also a micro SD card as well to expand the onboard memory. There's only about 16 gig of memory on board, and you can expand that with a micro SD card. The back has a fine, like a brushed metal look, even though it's actually plastic, but it still looks pretty nice. The uh, the screen. Screen is really really nice. It's an IPS screen that's in-plane switching screen, so it can be viewed at various angles and can display more than 16 million colours. So look looks great. Now, what about under the hood? It's got a quad. No, not only it's got two quad cores. It's an octa-core processor, which is two quad cores combined: a 1.5 gigahertz and a 1 gigahertz quad core. So the device is pretty fast. So it's running Android 5.0.2, which is Lollipop operating system. And what I liked about it too was there wasn't too much of a thick user interface on this. It was a pretty pure Android device. When you get a Samsung or HTC or an LG, they put a pretty thick layer of user interface on top of Android. A lot of purists don't like it. And this reminded me more of the Nexus, you know, the, the devices that Google actually makes. I think in the past, they've been made by Motorola, LG, HTC. Everyone's had a go at making a Nexus. This reminded me a little bit of that. It was it was a very thin UI, and it was real. Really, uh, Android was shining through the whole time. Now, a couple of features that really stood out for me was the front-facing speakers. There's two JBL speakers, so you can listen to music through this smartphone, uh, and it sounds surprisingly good. So. No need, no need, in my opinion, to even pair a Bluetooth speaker. You can just sit this up on your desk and let it play music through those front-facing speakers. Sounds terrific. It reminded me of the HTC uh, One M8 and M9 that had those front those front speakers as well. This is almost as good as that, but at a fraction of the price. The other little feature I liked was the reversible feature. That means that whatever way you take the phone out of your pocket, sometimes anyone who uses a smartphone will know this. You sometimes pull it out of your pocket, it's upside down. You've got to take a second to turn it the right way around before you can use it. No such problem with the Alcatel One Touch Idle 3. No matter what way you you turn you pull out the phone, it will adjust no matter what way you're holding it. So if you turn it around, the screen will adjust. So there's no such thing as upside down. It is really uh, uh, it saves you a few seconds. Uh, so rather than you having to turn the phone the right way up again. Camera-wise, 13 megapixel rear camera with autofocus, full HD video capture. This takes excellent pictures, as good as some phones that cost three times as much. And yeah, look, it's not quite in the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus category, but it's not far off it. I have included some examples of some images that I took. One of my one of my dogs, Logan, one of my Dalmatians, and another one of a little statue in my home, a little Buddha statue. And you can check out just how sharp those images are. It takes really respectable images. Battery, uh, it's got a 29.10 milliamp hour battery. Easily got me through the day and into the next day. So that is not an issue. The Alcatel One Touch Idle 3, priced at 349 for the 5.5, 4.7 for the 2.0. Two, uh, 
for a price of two ninety nine for the four point seven, and this is I have to say one of the best value smartphones that we've ever reviewed. Definitely worth a look if you're looking to buy a a feature packed device that's at an affordable price. I think it's very hard to match the Idol Three when it comes to value. Check out our review. It's at techguide.com.au. Well, SBS has relaunched its on-demand service. They've actually launched a new website that offers a whole new way to enjoy all this content. And we're talking more than 4,000 hours of content at your fingertips, and it's free. Compare that to Netflix. Netflix has got 6,000 hours of content, and you've got to pay for that. Now, I should point out that it is free service, but it is backed by advertising. So when you start a movie or a TV show, you watch a little 30-second ad package, and depending on the length of your program, it normally puts in two or three ad breaks in it as well. They all last about a minute. So small price to pay uh, for having a free service, which includes, as I said, 4,000 hours of content. And we're talking TV shows. Uh, we're talking catch-up TV service here as well. Of course, the, the shows air on SBS first, and then you can catch up uh, on the SBS on-demand service. But there's also a whole library of other content. And we're talking like more than 600 movies, more than 350 feature-length documentaries and factual programs. Now, you remember the controversial program Struggle Street? That is available to watch on SBS On Demand, uh, as well as some other factual programs from around the world. Also, there's a, a lineup of new dramas that will be aired on SBS first, of course, but then viewable on demand on uh, this service. And one of them is a, a new show called Rectify. This is uh, expressed from the US, starts in mid-July. It stars Australian actor Aidan Young. Uh, there's a new show that I'm actually excited about this show. It's called Bosch. Now, any of you readers out there, readers of crime fiction, particularly Michael Connolly, this is his main character, Harry Bosch, and he's going to have his own program. Season one kicks off July the 22nd. So uh, they're going to show the exclusive preview of episode one from the 22nd of July and then goes in the catch-up. As soon as an episode is aired on SBS, then the very next day or even that night, you'll be able to watch it on the SBS on-demand service as well. Other, other series include Masters of Sex, we're going to have uh, season three there. Some Aussie programs too. The Principal, that's an Australian drama that starts in October. There's a similar story, similar show to Struggle Street, which is available now. You can view all uh, all those episodes. Similar show though from the UK. It's called Skint, which is a story about how people are surviving out of work uh, and, and on benefits. It's a really thought-provoking show that's also available on SBS On Demand. So well worth checking out. And this is this new website is responsible. So it can work no matter what device you're watching it on. So if you log in on your tablet, on your smartphone, or on a computer, or even on your smart TV, it will adapt to the screen you're viewing and allow you easy access to that really great content, more than 4,000 hours of it. You want to take a closer look at that service? Check it out, techguide.com.au. Tech Guide now. A Tech Guide interview. Tech Guide. Now, we caught up with the folks at Oakley. Uh, Oakley is, of course, the sunglass brand. And there's a fair bit of technology, I discovered, behind the Oakley lenses. Uh, we, we spoke to Boyd Wilson, who's the Oakley Optical Product Ambassador, to talk about their new 
Prism technology, that's Prism spelt with a Z, not an S, Prism technology that allows the lens to be adapt to adapt to the type of sport you're playing. So, for example, they have a special snow lens that can diffuse the light in such a way it allows the person to view the various uh, aspects of the snow, the, the, the different bumps and all the different features that would otherwise be just pure white and un, un, indistinguishable. There's also a golf prism. There's also a prism lens for golfers as well. And you think about it, a golfer needs to distinguish the hazards, the the uh, maybe the undulations of the fairways and the green. You can even distinguish the green from up the end of the fairway. You can even it, it even doesn't distort the distance from from the your eyes to the ground because when you when you're teeing off or when you're hitting any shot, sometimes the issue with wearing any old pair of sunglasses is that it actually doesn't give you an accurate representation of the distance for your swing. So sometimes people hit the ball heavy, they maybe top the ball. So these golf these these Oakley Prism glasses for golfers uh, really can, can can solve that problem and give the golfers that added benefit benefit of being able to see properly and make their shots with uh, a, a lot more accurate information literally through their eyes. So we decided to have a chat to Boyd Wilson along with Olympic snowboarder Scotty James who gave us his take on the new prism lenses and here's what they had to say earlier. Thanks for joining us. Let's talk about prism lenses from Oakley. Now We've, you've, we've heard a lot about the different types of lenses you can wear for different types of sports. But tell us what's different about Prism. So Prism basically allows Oakley to go through and to take, it, take what we've learned from in the past and really just turn the knob on fire as a, uh, a final picture of what we're really able to put to a wearer's eye. So Prism allows us to take all the learnings that we have across the last about 30 years of making optics and look at really how we're specifically designing those lenses for specific environments. Now imagine basically being able to do that and actually increase the amount of light that you can give within your eye. So Prism is basically given us a theoretical understanding of how the eye works and then being able to actually put that into translation into that final piece. It means a much richer, much darker contrast, etc., for that final product compared to, say, our other or competitors' lenses. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're uh, just hit winter now, so everyone's heading to the snow fields. How, what, what sort of difference can we see here with the prism snow? So Prism Snow, nice and exciting to be able to launch into a new season. Uh, the big thing when it comes to us is in an environment like snow, where there is just such a high white, low contrast environment, everything's very, very washed out. It becomes very, very hard in order to actually see what's in front of you. People are hitting those bumps, they're hitting hazards in front of them. It's really, they have to take a little bit off the sport of their choice in order to basically make sure that they're not hurting themselves. Sure, so I was just about to say, it's a big, it would be a, a safety feature than having, wearing these, these Prism lenses. For sure, a big, big thing with us is uh, making sure that we're optimising water where it can actually see as well as uh, going through and making sure that we can give them as much contrast to, uh, to counter that as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk to someone who does this for a living. Scotty, you've uh, tried out these lenses. How big a difference do they make? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I've been using them now for about 12 months and they've made a massive difference. I mean, from an athlete's standing point, um, I mean, for training, training for me and in competition, um, obviously seeing is a, a plays a pretty big role. So, um, I mean, in the half pipe and on the in slope style, um, just being able to see really fine details in the snow, um, obviously enhancing the contrast, like Boyd said, um, is is massive for us. And um, obviously, the weather always not always sunny for us, but uh, mm-hmm. no, I've been able to use the same lens uh, in sunny weather and then in flat light, okay. and uh, when the weather's yeah, obviously not that great, but. 
um, yeah, I mean, it's been been a massive um, thing for me, and it's been really cool to be a part of the process. And um, yeah, and it's really cool. So, what did you do before this? So, you were you had to change out lenses. Is that what you had to do? Or? Yeah. So before this, um, I was using the crowbars, um, and yeah, basically massive range of lenses and. Um, yeah, I mean, during a competition, for example, um, depending on the weather, and it would always be changing, I'd just have to take my goggles off and then change my lens out and things like that. And uh, I mean, from a from my point of view, when during competing, it's the last kind of thing you want to be doing. You want to be more focused on the, the task at hand. So to just have the little thing like this, like prism, and being, I guess, comfortable and um, trusting in it that I know I'm going to be able to see when I'm riding and mm-hmm. things like that is is really awesome for me and um yeah i mean i haven't gone back i've used them sure. ever since i suppose that, that, that if there's one less thing to think about when you're competing it sort of keep, puts, gives you a little bit of peace of mind is that so has that helped you then in your how have you gone in, in, in since you've been wearing them been improving yeah exactly i mean um i was saying yeah like before i think it is like a um it's like one less thing i need to worry about before i'm you know going into the half pipe it's um, it's that confidence and then knowing that they're going to work for me um, when I'm going down doing tricks. You know, we don't have much time to think when we're in the half pipe. but almost you just switch into a mode and uh, hopefully everything works out for you. And being able to use a goggle like this, um, you know, I've used it at night time. We always uh, compete at night time and through the day. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's an amazing product and, I mean... Yeah, it's, it's really good. Fantastic. Well, um, mate, I, I play a little bit of golf. Can you help me get some uh, cut some shots off my game? There's a prism lens for a golfer too. Is that right? Uh, yes, there is. So it does depend on your on the game, but uh, it also depends on my handicap. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's great to be able to, I guess, uh, see success of a product like Prism, and uh, from us to be able to launch into snow, and then see the reflection that it actually has on our sell through to actually be able to introduce that into our full sun range as well. Yeah. So the same basic uh, the same basic principles go into it to basically say we really look at the colours that you're coming up against on the other side. So as we sort of touched on, we basically take something that's called a hyperspectral camera out into these markets. Uh, these will basically give us a good reflection of basically where, what colours we're going to actually perceiving, what colours are going to give that contrast, and what colours are ultimately going to be washing out our final picture. Mm-hmm. So that prism, again, allows us to go through and have a look at what light is going to fine-tune perfectly to that actual golf environment. So when it comes to something like golf, we're obviously trying to put those greens and we're trying to put those blues and make sure that there's as much different differentiation between those two as possible. So you can track that ball in flight, you can read the break, etc. We also want to make sure that we're not distorting your vision when you're actually looking down one at a golf ball and ultimately onto the pin yeah, there as well. That's what I like. In the, the golf I play, being able to judge the distance for your swing to the ball, but also being able to see into the distance, see the green, and the ball in flight. You mentioned that. So being able to capture the, the, the different contrast of the ball flying through the air, this, that's what these glasses can help you with. For sure, yeah. So I guess Prism takes on a, a foundation of uh, Oakley's what's called HDL, high-definition optics, the exact same way that no one would go out and buy a TV that wasn't in HD nowadays. We're trying to give people the clearest, sharpest vision without distortion on the market. So we shape our lenses in a very specific way that makes sure that when you're looking down at that ball or you're looking onto that pin, that it's actually true to what your eye would be seeing, ultimately meaning that you don't have to worry about adjustments or take your glasses up to putt along those lines. So Prism takes that foundation of HDO with the best contrast enhancing lens that's made specifically for these environments and that's ultimately what people are buying into and wearing out on course. Fantastic. Well, thanks, guys. I can see clearly now on everything you've spoken about so I really appreciate your time. Thank you. No worries. Thanks so much. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk.
Well, we had a really interesting question from one of our readers who was keen on getting Netflix. And he was asking, do I need a smart TV to watch Netflix? Really interesting question. The answer, though, is no, you don't. There are several ways you can access Netflix. Now, if you have a smartphone, if you have a tablet, you can download the Netflix app and view the content either on the device or stream it to a TV using a Chromecast or using an Apple TV. Now, if you have an Apple TV, I would suggest it would be even easier because Netflix is already part of Apple TV. So if you buy an Apple TV, I think it's about $109, connected to your TV, connected to your network, click on the Netflix app on the Apple TV interface, and you are watching Netflix. There's also, uh, if you do choose to buy a Blu-ray disc player or a set-top box, maybe a digital uh, hard drive recorder, a lot of these now include their smart recorders and smart players that include uh, not only allow you to connect to the internet, but also can provide a link to Netflix as well. So plenty of ways you can do it. And of course, if you've got a smart TV, a recent smart TV, you'll find that Netflix is an app that's either pre-installed or you can install it from that smart TV's app store. So uh, Netflix, available in more places than you think. And no, you don't need to have a smart TV to view it, but there are. it does help if you have one. But there are ways of viewing Netflix. Say you might have bought a TV a couple of years ago that's not a smart TV, or a few years ago that's not a smart TV. You can still watch Netflix using those things that I just spoke about. Netflix, really popular. One thing you do need, of course, the th common denominator is a connection to the internet and also plenty of data. Without plenty of data, you're going to be caught short, so check that allowance before you sign up. And that's the end of our show for this week. You can read everything we've talked about at techguide.com.au, and if you want to get in touch, email us at info at techguide.com.au, and we may be reading your question on the Tech Guide Help Desk. Special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs. If you want to stay connected, the answer is Netgear. Thanks for listening. It's been great having you with us once again. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then... Stay safe and stay connected.